Up here, we are finally wrapping up our series on the virtue signals where we're talking about uh, the ways that Christians can signal to the rest of the world that we live differently than how they do because we value things and we believe things completely different than the rest of the world. So in our first week, we talked about faith. You guys have the outline right up there that I'm going to recap now. Uh, Everything that makes Christians live differently begins with faith in Christ Jesus and our salvation. There is no reason for us to go through the rest of these virtue signals unless we first say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I make Him both my Savior and my Lord. And as a result, I want to live the way He wants me to live. And the following week, we talked about hope. That because we have a faith in Jesus, no matter what's going on in this world all around us, and this was before everything blew up in the Middle East, we said we shouldn't be rocked by what we see in the news because we have a hope that we know how God is bringing this whole thing together. And we know that ultimately when we breathe our last, we're going from this life to the next. In our third week, we concluded that little trifecta of faith, hope, and love that Paul had talked about in 1 Corinthians as we looked at love, the greatest of those three, as Paul called it. And we saw how Jesus taught us to love God, love others, love one another within the church specifically, and even to love our enemies. Love is ultimately the application of a faith put in Jesus. In our first, fourth week, we turn to grace and truth from John chapter 1. Jesus came filled with grace and truth. And so we looked first at the grace aspect. And we dug into Ephesians chapter 2 that is all about grace being the free gift of salvation that is given to every single person who puts their faith in Jesus. It's not by work so that any one of us can boast or say, I did a bunch of great things. I got all my gold stars at church. That's why I'm in heaven. No, we're in heaven because God loves us. And he made it available to those of us who put our trust into Jesus. And as a result of God's grace to us, we then can reciprocate that with a gracious attitude of kindness and forgiveness to the world all around. We need not be angry and judgmental, but we must meet people with a gracious attitude the way that Jesus encountered us in our sin. Last week, we turned our attention to truth. And we saw how God is ultimately the source of truth as He gave us both His Word and His Son. And while people may go looking all over the internet for whatever truth, uh, it scratches, itches their ears. That's the phrase, right? Their itching ears. Um, it, just because you find it on the internet does not make it true. We all understand that, right? God defines what is true. And so our job is to look to Jesus and to study the Word and to make sure that we're not just picking verses out of context so that we can faithfully uncover the truth that God has been trying to reveal to us by His Word, His Son, and guiding us with His Spirit. If you missed any of those messages, I encourage you, you should go listen to them or watch them or read about them. You can go to our website. It has every message that I've ever given at this church, firstbaptistsheridan.com. If you're a podcaster, you can listen to Google Podcast or 
Apple podcast, or you can watch it on YouTube, or you can pull it up on Facebook. If that takes too long, you can read the transcript of every single message. Thank you to Wanda. I send her my junk and she turns it into something that looks beautiful on the internet every single week for a year and a half, almost two years now she's been doing that. So we try to get all that information out. So if you enjoyed the series but you missed one, go check it out. If you're looking, the search is always First Baptist Sheridan. People look up First Baptist Church and they're like, I couldn't find you. And I'm like, that's because there's 10,000 First Baptist churches. There's only one First Baptist Sheridan. Put that in your search and you'll find all that material that I just talked about. And today, we got to the final virtue on that list. We're going to wrap up our series looking at a little talked about yet massively important virtue and one that is deeply lived out is basically the fabric of Jesus' life, and that's the virtue of humility. So humility is not something that we find much of in our culture. We recognize we live in a celebrity culture. So all it takes is Taylor Swift showing up to an NFL football game, and it changes how the entire broadcast, like Fox Sports completely changes, and they're like, well, we've got to educate all the Swifties who are at the game, and the rest of us are like, this is insane. We've got politicians who make one sum of money while they're in office, and then they go and they write a book and do a tour, and they make millions and millions more because they become like a rock star after they go out and join a news station or something. We've got kids who make opening unboxing videos on YouTube with millions and millions of views. And kids, like other children, want to watch a five-year-old open toys every day on mom's phone when mom's too busy to be babysitting, and they hand them the phone. And kids navigate their way around and watch these famous children on YouTube. It's a really bizarre and strange world. Even pastors fall into this orbit of celebrity and they end up becoming these national names and they can say anything and gets tweeted out and posted out and everybody's commenting on what they said or what they wrote somewhere. It's, it's a fascinating world. And so we live in this world where fame is essentially currency and it seems like a lot of people want more of it. And I understand most of you who are listening to this message in the room or online right now probably are not struggling with wanting to be famous like that level of fame. But at the same time, I think it's a very normal thing for us to want to be seen as important or significant or appreciated in some small way. The problem is taken to an extreme that can lead us into a situation that we don't want to get into, and that is the problem of pride. And so I think that that's why there's so many middle-aged dads who try to relive their glory years through their kids who are in high school, and they tell them the same stories over and over about, you know, my senior year, our football team. The kids are like, oh, dad, I'm tired of that. But you want to be seen. I was good when I was younger and didn't have this stomach. You know, that's the dad thing. Or it's why grandmas brag on their grandkids to a friend and tell them how all their grandkids are perfect and amazing and better than your grandkids. And it's why when pastors gather, there is a temptation for pastors. And I've fallen privy to it, to be like, well, how many are at your church on a Sunday? Oh, my church is here, you know. And it's like this weird, I'm more important. I've achieved more because of these numbers. And it's easy to fall victim to that because we want to be seen as valuable. And the problem is our care and our concern for how other people view us 
is the opposite of what Jesus wants for our lives. You see, when we put too much emphasis on what other people think of us, then when they think highly of us, we walk a little taller and we feel pretty good. When they think less of us, we feel really bad. We feel beat down. We feel shame. We feel like we've got to do something to prove ourselves. And neither of those are very healthy attitudes. Instead, Jesus wants us to follow his lead and live a life of humility. And I want to describe, I'll describe what I mean by that in a bit. Probably all heard at some point, humility is a virtue. And when we turn to the Bible, we see clearly that it's something that's praised and encouraged all over the pages of the New Testament. Matthew 23, 12, Jesus says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Apostle Paul says once that humility is to be a way of life for those following King Jesus. In Philippians 2.3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. In Colossians, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with humility. Even the Apostle Peter chimes in on his letter when he writes in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So we get so many passages in the New Testament telling us that this is to be our attitude as followers of Jesus. And then I want to show you where Jesus talks about this himself in Matthew chapter 11. In this chapter, we actually, before the passage that I read this morning, Jesus was dealing with the rejection in several towns that he traveled through. And he did a whole bunch of miracles. But they, it said they were wise in their own eyes. And they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. They thought they knew everything they needed to know. And so they were proud. They weren't going to listen to what Jesus had. He's coming and showing them He is the fulfillment and the Messiah of the Old Testament. And they're like, Jesus, we don't need You. We've got our religion. We're good. And He's talking about this rejection and how they don't understand that He's there and He's the fulfillment of the kingdom. And it's at the end of this moment that He makes this statement, which I read, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And here's what I want you to hear in this message. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is actually a rare moment where Jesus says this phrase, learn from me. When we read that, we need to take it and go, okay, this is something Jesus doesn't want us to miss. I am gentle and humble in heart. This is good news. It means humility is something that we can learn. It's something we can choose to put on, like those passages that say, clothe yourselves in humility. We can learn how to do it. Innately, as children, we might not be that kind of person. We might be somebody who fights to be well-known, to be recognized, to be the center of the room, center of attention. But we can grow in this humility and we're called to do so. Jesus tells us. But here's the problem with trying to follow Jesus' words and learn how to be humble. 
Many people don't know what humility is actually supposed to look like. They think that humility is just the polar opposite of proud. And so with a misunderstanding of Jesus, what Jesus wants from his followers, they actually take it in a wrong direction. And I'm going to explain that to you here in a moment. So for Jesus, first to make this statement at all, it's incredibly countercultural because he lived in a near Eastern world where honor and shame was the normal lens through which everybody sees the world. They want their family to be honored. They want to have a good reputation. So you didn't be, you weren't humble. You didn't make yourself a servant to other people. That's simply not how anybody saw the way the world worked in Jesus' day and age. Humility was not at all seen as a virtue. And so when Jesus speaks these words, this virtue of humility is ultimately the answer he provides to the problem of pride. People were pride, they were arrogant, they were right in their own eyes, they didn't have anything to learn from Jesus. And he's saying, no, 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 you need to humble yourself from that. The problem is, Christians through history have taken that the wrong direction, we'll get there. Pride, though, super easy for us to identify, right? It's when people puff themselves, exalt themselves, think more highly of themselves than they should. It's an attitude that says, I'm great just the way I am. It justifies, it defends itself, it makes sure that you know that you're doing a great job. We've all met that person, and most of us are really irritated when that person starts doing that thing, and we're like, oh, please, can you just knock it off? And with this attitude comes the desire to make sure everyone knows that you're great because you view yourself better than others. And quite honestly, nobody actually says I'm better than you, but people think it. Even sometimes sub subconsciously when somebody does something and you're like, I can't believe you did that. That is so dumb. When you think that, what you're saying is, I'm right, you're wrong. You're not saying it out loud. We're more polite than that. Come on, we're Iowa nice. But... If it goes through your mind, often it also comes out in your behavior and in your actions. It, there's a way that you, without even saying it, can sometimes demonstrate, I'm great and you're not. So you view others as beneath you. You diminish maybe other people's successes or you feel threatened by it. You can't celebrate their wins because you're like, well, but what about me? Look at me. I'm, I'm good too. And the goal here then is that to stay on top, you always have to be achieving, always producing, always promoting, always proving yourself. And even as I say all that, it just sounds exhausting. And that's why Jesus is saying, yeah, you feel heavy burdened. You feel this yoke on top of you because you're trying to be right. You're trying to show how good you are. You know everything. You have everything put together. That life is hard. It's not the life that you need to be living. Learn from me gentle, and humble in heart. And so in Jesus' day, it looked this um, exhaustive pride was the religious leaders. They were always trying to do everything right to show that they were righteous, they were holy, they were pleasing God, they were meeting the standards of the law in a way that the rest of people couldn't. The common man couldn't do it. And so the commoners were feeling beat up. They felt the weight of all these regulations that they could have never ever measure up to. And they just felt like, well, God is too far away from me. 
And so when Jesus steps into this situation and he speaks this verse, it's like a salve to the lowly and the broken in heart saying, look, come to me. This is connecting with God is achievable. You don't have to wear this heavy burden of pride and doing everything right and perfect. You have to learn what humility looks like from me. And in that situation, so when he says that though, he's addressing this overwhelming feeling that these people have, which was the opposite of pride, but it wasn't humility. You see, while we can think pride and humility go together, in a lot of ways they do, but in a different way, you can look at it and go, oh, pride actually has a different counterpart. If pride says that it's thinking more too highly of yourself, shame is thinking too lowly of yourself. That's not humility. That takes you to a place of shame. And it's this weird thing that Christians have actually done where to say, I don't want to be proud. I don't want to think too highly of myself. I will take this position of I am scum. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm worthless. I have nothing to offer. There's a song, in an old hymn, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. It includes the lyrics. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Is that how Jesus lived? Did he walk around going, I am a worm. I am terrible. I am awful. I am the bottom of humanity. He didn't. That's this interesting place. Pride is thinking too highly of yourself, but going to the other extreme and saying, well, I just have to think that I'm nothing, that's shame. And actually, a lot of Christians fall into that place and they fall into this, I'm not good enough for God. I really don't have that many skills. I'm not that useful. You know, I don't know why God would save me. That's not a healthy spot either. Humility is actually something that we learn from Jesus. Jesus, and because ultimately we have a proper understanding of who we are in how God sees us. That's what humility is. It's a proper understanding of how God sees us. And not saying that I'm too high or that I'm too low, but I'm a child of God, loved by God. And so we don't have to put other people down. We don't have to feel like, or puff ourselves up. We don't have to be maneuvering ourselves in how other people see us because humility is not based on what others think of us. It's based on what God thinks of us. And that's an incredible thing for us to base it on much more sure footing than on others' opinions because that's going to go up and down and you're going to have your feelings all over the place. But humility, we put our, our feet on solid ground and say, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm forgiven. I know that even if I mess up, His grace covers over that. I know that no matter how much I achieve, it doesn't make me better in God's economy than anybody else because everybody else is made in the image of God, is loved by God, has God's grace offered to them. So it's a right view that puts us on an even plane where humility doesn't say, I'm higher or you're lower. We're not doing this with one another, but we're saying we are together like this all children of God. And so it allows us easier to serve one another. 
It's why Jesus was able to grab the towel and the wash basin the night that he knew he was going to be betrayed by Judas, be arrested, and murdered the next day. He grabs that towel. He washes his disciples' feet, their dirty, gross feet, even Judas' feet. It's not because he thought of himself in this lowly position, like worse than them, but it's because he knew his right position as a child of God that allowed him the confidence to be able to serve people and not feel like that was elevating them or changing his status. But he had what one author calls a confident humility. And he models this perfectly when we just look at Jesus' life. When he's met by power and the Pharisees who challenge him, he doesn't back down and say, you're right, I'm wrong, you guys know all the answers. He speaks truth to them and he stands up. He has this confident humility knowing you're not better than me. You know, I know who I am. I'm sent by God. I have this message for God. But at the same time, when he meets with others who are lowly in heart, who are broken, the outcasts, the lepers, he meets them on a level playing field. And he sees them for who they are. He touches the leper. He meets the woman at the well. He doesn't see himself as better than those people because he's a rabbi with disciples following him. He knows who he is. That's his confident humility. That's what we need to learn as we engage other people. We don't go out of this room saying, I know the truth and you need Jesus and just telling people the way it is. We have to have the softness, tenderness of heart that says, you know what? I know who I am and I know what I have to offer. And that's the grace of God. So we listen to people. We ask questions. We're curious. When people have completely different viewpoints, when they look completely different than us, when they purposely dress in a way just to try to see, are you going to be a Christian who judges me for my outfit? We just go, hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's have a conversation about the life that God has put in front of you and maybe the life that God's bringing you along this journey. You meet them in that moment. People feel seen. It's this incredible aspect that rather than being like, I'm a Christian, I have it figured out, that makes people want to defend themselves right away. We meet them and we say, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner that can be saved by grace. Let's talk. That's the power of humility. That's what Jesus wants for every single one of us. Before I conclude, I also want to add that our lives are a complex mosaic of relationships. So you can't just say, well, I'm good at humility, I'm bad at humility. It's in different relationships, you might be really good at serving others, at not being too proud, at not being ashamed of having the right view of situations. So maybe your coworkers, you do really well at interacting with people, serving people, not acting like you deserve something more than them. And then you go home and you're tired and you kind of have this expectation of your spouse and you're like, well, why didn't you get that done? Man, you don't do anything around here during the day. You know, and there's a pride that seeps in in that one relationship in your marriage because you hold on through the rest of the day. Does that make sense? Maybe some of you are great with your family and your kids, but you're a boss in the working world. And when you get into the chair, you put on your boss hat and you kind of end up with a, well, I'm the boss, so I'm supposed to tell you what to do and dictate everything from this high seat. 
And so we have to evaluate, am I living this confident humility that Jesus wants me to live in every aspect or every relationship of my life? Furthermore, am I living that out in my relationship with God? Like, let's think about that. It's possible to be prideful with God. To say, God, I'm working really hard at being righteous. I'm following all your rules. Why aren't you answering my prayer? I've been praying. I've been doing all this stuff. I've been going to church just like I told you I was going to go to church, but you're not answering my prayer. You know, people do that. And when you do that, you're taking this position of pride that you're owed something for what you're doing. And we can't do that with God. On the inverse of that, some people go to God and they're like, God, I'm just awful. I'm worthless. I don't even know what you're doing with me. I don't know how I could help in the church. And they take this position of shame with God. That's also not helpful. It's not healthy. As Christians, what humility means is that we understand who we are. We're on the same playing field as everybody else in this world. Those who have made a ton of mistakes and those who have lived holy lives, we're all on the same plane. We're children of God, loved by God. His grace extended to us. We've received it. Some others haven't. And we're now ambassadors who can bring this good news, the truth, the grace, and the love of God. And in humility, we can extend it. We can seek to have conversations with people. We don't try to beat them down. We don't try to tell them, well, these are the to-dos that you have to do. We say God's love is available. And when you run with Him, when you follow Him, you'll find that life is better. It's more full of peace. It's more full of rest. His yoke is light and it's easy. And it all seems upside down. I understand that. But that's what we're called to do. That's the life that Jesus wants us to follow. I realize this message pushes against everything that we see in our current culture, from the highest levels of leadership, celebrities, uh, even to our workplaces. Everybody is trying to fight for their own worth. But that's not what Christians need to be doing. At the same time, we don't just lay down and be a doormat. When somebody says, I totally disagree with you, we don't just go, oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) lay down, you're right, I'm wrong, sorry I said it, won't say it again. Like, that's not what we're called to. A confident humility is that we're able to insert ourselves with grace and love, but speak in truth and have hard conversations with people. And the goal is that they walk away going, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, rather than, oh, you're a jerk, right? And, And that's all an approach. It's all an approach. And if we live out these virtue signals, we can have those conversations with people and we can hopefully move the needle for some people to see the goodness of God when for some reason they've got this warped sense of God that they think he's no good and he's not worth following. As Jesus said, we can learn humility from him. It can be learned. It's not easy. Pride and shame are difficult extremes that are easy to fall to. What we need to do instead of caring so much about what other people think of us, we need to care about what God thinks of us, how he values us, and live confidently knowing who we are, not worrying so much if people are mad at us, if people are happy with us, if people think we're successful, or if we're failing. But saying, you know what? I'm doing my best. I'm following after God. I'm being the son or daughter he created me to be. And if you live in that realm, the burden feels light. And there's joy. So I want that for every single one of you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray?